Thank you, Lord. Third day after the day of resurrection, O oh Lord, and third day of our, of our fasting and prayer, Father, we've come to your throne, room of grace, to hear from you. We want to sit at your feet. All of us, beginning with me, we want to hear from you. Speak to our hearts. Anoint us to speak, to hear, and empower us to obey. Do a miracle in our lives, O Lord. Convict us, converse, convert us, O Lord. Challenge us and change us. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, even as uh, we are here in the third day of our 40-day fast, it's it's a good thing after the Resurrection Sunday. Oh, I just came to Pastor and I said, Pastor, it's um, 40 days after resurrection. Uh, three days after resurrection, Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days and he was ministering to them through the Holy Spirit, teaching about the kingdom. And and that is what we are always enjoined by Jesus, you know, through the Bible. You know, one of the constant phrases that keeps appearing in the New Testament for 16 times. I just did a count today. 16 times it appears in the New Testament is this phrase. Years to hear. No, I, I mean, I'm not too much of a numerologist or I don't believe in biblical numerology. And I was looking at what is, this, what is the significance of the number 16 in the Bible. The only other time the number 16 appears is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know love is patient, kind, etc. 16 characteristics of love. So when something is mentioned 16 times, God loves us so much and he loves us so much, he says, please hear me out. So if you look at this particular phrase, it occurs in Matthew chapter 11 verse 15. He who has ears, let him hear. 39, he who has ears, let him hear. 1343, this is of course... um, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Mark 9, 4, 9. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. If anyone has ears, let him hear. 4.23. 7.16. He who has, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Luke 8.8. 8. Again, parable of the sower. He who has ears, let him hear. 14.35 talking about the principle of the salt. He who has ears, let him hear. That is Matthew, Mark, Luke. Who is left? So in the gospel according to John, how many times does... Okay, well, gospel according to John doesn't talk about he who has ears, but John wrote another book, which is called the book of Revelation. And in that, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And it's mentioned seven times. And he ends and 39. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. 16 times in all. 8 plus 8. All the four gospel writers, they mention something together 16 times. And I like this phrase, has an ear. It's slightly different. What does it mean? You know, uh, do you have a, do, do you have an ear for music? You know, some, uh, my brother's there, Rishi, he has a very good ear for music. 
he knows which sound is going off somewhere and and he just puts his face like that you know because he has an ear no so this is exactly what he's talking about do you have an ear so when when you go off tune in the spirit does your face contour up like that do you have an ear see it's a very important thing because you know um maybe i'll come to that later but uh, i remember um um reading this uh, story uh, i don't know i'm sure you you must have at least if you haven't read it you would have known the story story of the trojan war now after the war is over ulysses is going back home now even as he is going back home you know he has to pass through this uh, place where you have these sirens those those things who, i mean those are like some mythological creatures which sing their songs and they and they enchant the sailors and even as they go past that place ulysses tells his sailors warns them he says please close your eyes close your ears don't let them enchant you if you enchant them if do if you let them enchant you you'll turn the ship and there are rocks over there and you will have a shipwreck you see that's very important no for us it says in when you if you look at uh, the epistle to the to timothy jesus mentions i mean paul mentions shipwreck at least three times and one of the things he says these people have their conscience seared and because of the way they have not allowed the spirit of god tune their conscience they have met shipwreck of their faith so it's very very important for us and one of the most important faculties in the university of our human body is the faculty of hearing okay he who has an ear let him hear so sometimes we have ears but we don't hear look at what uh, it says in um, psalm 58 very interesting psalm you no know, this is one of the uh, mictums of david Psalm 58 he says the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies their poison is like the poison of the serpent they're what deaf like the cobra <laughs> okay which will not need which will not heed the voice of the charmers charming ever so skillfully they're just deaf you know deaf like the cobra deaf like the snake they say the snake doesn't have ears and uh, it's uh, you know it's very interesting if you read uh, the gospel according to Matthew and Luke where Jesus says what should i liken this generation to their children in the marketplaces who are saying so saying singing, saying to one another sing us a song sing us a song one say let us sing a dirge another says no 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 other says let us sing us a happy song other says no 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 and Jesus says John the Baptist came not neither eating or drinking then you said you know what he has a demon son of man came came eating and drinking but you say you know what he's a, a sin of a friend of sinners tax collectors as a glutton and a wine biber but the wisdom is justified by her what her children he who has ears let him hear you see very important lot of people you know they they can't hear pharisees were a fantastic example of this full of knowledge look at uh, what it says matthew chapter 13 he answered and said to them because it has been given to you the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given for whoever has to him more will be given and and he will have abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him therefore i speak to them in parables why because seeing they do not see hearing they do not understand uh, they do not hear nor do they understand and in them the prophecy of isaiah is fulfilled hearing you will hear and you will not understand seeing you will see 
and not perceive. See that? The Pharisees are a fantastic example and one of the things, you know, full of head knowledge, full of knowledge of the scriptures. They can just quote scriptures less like that. Okay, it's, I mean, uh, just look at what Jesus says to one of the Pharisees. Haven't you read the scriptures? I mean, it's like, you know, telling uh, Roger Federer, do you know how to hold a racket? Haven't you read the scriptures? Asking Sachin Tendulkar, do you know how to bat? Haven't you read the scriptures? I mean, they record that, I mean, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. This is one of the places I'm not look, uh, looking at the details, but you know, Jesus says, you read the scriptures, you don't understand, you don't see, don't hear. 12.3, Jesus said, have you, you read the scriptures? 12.5, and haven't you read the law of Moses? I mean, that was like an indictment. They thought they were children of Moses. 22.31, haven't you read the scriptures? They read the scriptures, but they don't understand. They were, like John Piper says, they were blind like a bat. <laughs> you see, they absolutely can't understand and they are stunned when Jesus comes and gives them revelation. Okay. So, hearing has a very important thing. No, it's a very important characteristics and something connected to hearing specifically in Matthew chapter 13. This is what he is, what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 14. Hearing, you shall you will hear and shall not understand. So what is hearing connected to? Understanding. Seeing, you will see, but not perceive. What is seeing connected to? Perception. What is perception? This is, of course, in Isaiah chapter 6. What does it mean? Perception means to know. Yada. Have a relationship. Okay. Hearing, you don't understand. Seeing, you don't know me. Okay, so hearing is connected with understanding. And this is exactly what Jesus does even to his disciples after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus and after he meets them in the disciples room. This is what he says. And he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms concerning me and he what? opened their understanding. So what, what is under, uh, understanding connected to? Hearing. So what did God, what did Jesus do to them? He opened their ears so that they may understand the scriptures. And therefore, what, what does it mean? Unless God opens our hearing, we will not be able to understand the scriptures. So he has to open our hearing and he also has to give us the grace to cultivate the habit of hearing. You know, brother, I think Brother Lawrence who wrote that book, he had this incredible testimony. He was only a dishwasher in a, in a, in a seminary for Catholic saints. And in that, just being a dishwasher, he cultivated the habit of hearing from God and communing with God. And he wrote, cultivating the presence of the Lord. And one book, just one book while being a dishwasher. And that changed and affected so many people. See, so God has to give us hearing and he all, we also have to practice, sustain the habit of hearing from God consistently, constantly every day of our lives. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's just, that is not just logos. We need the living word, what, do we, what we call as rima, which is, uh, which is relevant to the, to the situation that we are going through. Okay, so 
He has to give us hearing. He has to give us revelation. That is the reason why Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, we know this very well. It says, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. This is the continuous prayer of the saint. Never get tired of praying this until you get revelation. Not just knowledge, revelation. Revelation is living. It changes your life. So how do we cultivate this habit of hearing? No, this is just not um, a spiritual sense that we that we cultivate or uh, or practice. It is an attitude that we need to cultivate. What is the attitude that we need to cultivate? So that we may have revelation and so that we may hear from God. Want to look at this principle? And that will be the meat of today's message. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Understand that. Okay? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which God gave him to show to his bond servants. The things which must soon take place and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant. Okay? And what is this? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of a person. Okay? How is it communicated? It is only communicated to the bond servants. How do the bond servants receive the revelation of Jesus Christ from another bond servant, John? So how does communication happen? The communication happens from one bond servant who is hearing from God to other bond servants and even as they get this, they have the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the communication. Ultimately, it is a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. It is the person that we need to know. It is the revelation of, I mean, that is the reason why you can never fall in love with a book. You can never fall in love with a doctrine. You will fall in love with a person. So what happens? One bond servant will receive a revelation. He communicates to other bond servants so that they may have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is how revelation comes. So what is the attitude we need to cultivate therefore? The attitude of a Bond servant. Now let me tell you something. If I am not a bond servant, I will not receive revelation. Okay. But I might have a lot of knowledge. Tremendous amount of knowledge. So I'll come and preach a sermon, let's say, from my head. But you are a bond servant. I may not be a bond servant, but you are a bond servant. You have a heart of a bond servant. What will you receive? Not knowledge, but revelation. On the other hand, I am a bond servant. I receive revelation. Okay. And I come and exposit the scriptures and I am giving you revelation after revelation. But if you are not a bond servant, what will happen? Will you receive revelation? No. You receive what? Knowledge. Knowledge will what? Puff you up. Love builds you up. This is the point. So, both the one who is serving and the one who is being served, both should have the attitude of a what? Of a bond servant. And what happens to a bond servant? Once you become a bond servant, you will know the person of Jesus Christ because he himself is a what? Is a bond, is a bond servant, as Philippians chapter 2 will say. See, one of the persons who challenges me in the Bible, not from the New Testament so much, but from the Old Testament, is this person called David who knows God. I mean, unbelievable. This person, he has a kind of a relationship. He knows him. 
every situation that he's going through, he just breaks into song. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my my parents they taught me a, a, a poem from by C. Sri. Okay, Agipulla, Kukapilla, Sabbabilla. Kadeedi kavita ki anartham, kavaloi kavita vesam. Agipil, agipulla, kukapilla, sabubilla. Kadeedi kavita ki anartham, kavaloi kavita kavita vesam. Meaning what? If you have a heart of a poet, and if you are a romantic at heart, it doesn't matter what it is about the other person. Even if she is using a toothbrush, you will say that toothbrush is so beautiful. You will break into song. You see? Because you have, you are in such a romantic relationship with that person, you will not help but break into song. That is the reason why when people, young people fall in love, they become shairis. And if they are not a shairi, they will also say, I am not a shairi, and they will sing it out. Me shair to nahi, etc, etc, etc. Shairi. <laughs> you see, you automatically break into song. You know why? Because you have Fallen in love with a person. All kinds of crazy things you'll start writing. You see, that is the reason why even Umar Khayyam, the great Persian mathematician, also can write. A loaf of bread, a glass of wine, and your presence, paradise in the wilderness. Boy, you know why? Because he has a relationship that is the reason why you know what David challenges me. I just want to look at one psalm, okay? Uh, in a few minutes, just brush through because uh, even Brother Cyril mentioned this. Whenever somebody talks about Psalm 16, they say, that is my song also. <laughs> you see, this is what he says in Psalm 16 verses 1 and 2. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. I said to my God, you are my God. I have what? No good apart from you. You know, you know other translations will say, actually KJV will use this word. He says, you are my, I have said to my Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness does not extend unto you. You are so infinitely good Lord. All that I can do, I cannot reach up to your standards. Only if you give me that goodness, I am good. My goodness is nothing apart from you. This is how we enjoy. And then you know what he goes on to say? He says, as for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. In, 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 in other words, let me tell you, in other words, it's like this, no? Uh, we have, let's say, Raj, Akshar, Peter, and, okay, Hannah. Four of you. Let's say we are having a meeting. We are coming and discussing about God. Okay? For an hour. How many of us are there? One, two, three, four, five. For an hour we discuss. Assume that all of us have equal time. How much time will we get to discuss about God? Twelve minutes each. Okay? Twelve minutes. 60 divided by 12, 5, 5 is equal to 12. Now we discuss about God, even as we discuss about, about God, we get to know about God through her, we need to get to know about God through her, through him and him and him and me. Okay, so let's say the next day, again we are having a meeting and she is absent. How many of us are there? Four of us, okay. So 60 divided by, again we spend an hour, 60 divided by 4 is equal to 15 minutes. Do we get to discuss more about God or less about God? By less, I'll tell you why. You should also give the answer. I'll tell you why. What you bring about God to the table 
is completely different and unique from all the other people. What you bring about God to the table is completely different from what all of us experience. You bring a unique expression of God. And you know what what David is saying? You know what? I want to dwell with God's people and I want to know about you through them, through him, through him, through him, so that I will be enriched. You know something, one of the things that I've realized over a, over a period of time, even as I'm coming to church, coming to church itself is, a, is, a, is an act of giving. It's an act of giving. It is selfish people who will not come to church. Because if you don't come, your thing about God is missing that day. You see, sometimes he says, I'm missing Sami. Why? <laughs> Something is missing. One child is there, not there at the dinner table. Why do we miss him? The way we enjoy the family through him is completely, is totally different. So, so many people, they don't come to church because they are not givers. You know, he says, you know what David says? Lord, you are my Lord. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I enjoy you. And then he says, look at this, next verse. The sorrows of those who run after other gods is multiplied. Their offerings of blood I do not want to offer. Neither want to take their names on my... I know, think about this. What does this mean? I'll tell you what this means. Four of you, five of us have discussed about Jesus today. In the church, we enjoyed communion. Tomorrow you go to office. Suddenly, instead of dis- dis- uh, you're talking about return of Jesus... You are talking about Return of Jedi. Movie. Return of Jedi, you don't know. You know, Return of Jedi. Star Wars, Return of Jedi. Hmm? Suddenly, what has a, what has, where has the conversation gone away from? It has gone away from Jesus. It has gone to Jedi. And what happens? If you are a believer, you leave that conversation with a what? With a bad taste. You know, sometimes you will say, I left that place with a bad taste in my mouth. See? It's like aloe vera on my lips. I mean, uh, you know, my, my wife is, she likes to enjoy food. I eat food, she enjoys food. <laughs> okay, see, she, she, she really enjoys food. I'm telling you honestly, she enjoys food. And after she has a nice chicken biryani or whatever, no, she eats the fish curry. And I said, honey, uh, after fish curry, I want to eat uh, curd rice. She says, I'm not going to eat curd rice. You know why? It spoils my taste. This is exactly what Jesus, what David is saying. I don't want to be at places where my taste about you is spoiled. I don't want to spoil the taste. I want to enjoy you so much. This is how he he knew God. Look at what he says. Uh, Oh Lord, you are my portion. You are the portion of my inheritance. You are, you see, you are the portion of my inheritance. In my inheritance, you are the portion of my inheritance. You are my what? My cup? You maintain my lot. What is, you are my cup, Baba. You are my cup. What does you are my cup? You know, there's a joke about this this uh, small boy, you know. He goes to his uh, neighbor's home. So, a small kid, no? And uh, they're all serving sweets or something, uh, chocolates in that home. So that auntie, she has this huge plate of of, uh, of chocolates and she takes these chocolates around and she comes to, the, comes to the kid and says, Honey, take some chocolates. She says, No, auntie, I will not take it. Come on, beta, take a few chocolates. It's okay, no problem. No, auntie, I will not take it. So who's, who's next to her? Her, the mother's also there next to her. Mother says, come on, beta, take some, text, take some chocolates. Come on, it's okay, it's okay. No, mama, I will not take any chocolates. And you know what the, what the, what the auntie does? She says, come on, beta. She takes a bunch of chocolates and puts it in her 
uh, puts it in his pocket and he, and he's so happy and he goes home. And after he reaches home, mother asks this question. He says, Are, how come when Monty was asking you to take the chocolates, you were not taking chocolates. When she gave the chocolates, you were so happy. And you know what he says? Look at my hand. Look at auntie's hand. If I take chocolates, how many will I get? Three. If I take, if she gives me chocolates, how many will I get? You know what he says? You are my cup. I want it from your hands. You fill me. Let me decrease, you increase. Fill me. You know what? Jesus says, you know, Lord, you are my cup. He said, absolutely, I'm going to fill you without measure. You are my cup. That is how he enjoyed God. And then he says, the lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Meaning what? Like Cyril was saying, you know, boundaries are good. Not to destroy my joy, but to increase my joy. Like, the lines have fallen for me. Pleasant places. I don't look at the commandments as don'ts. Yeah, somebody, some man of God said, two things I need. <laughs> you need to teach <laughs> when, a, <laughs> when a person is growing up. First, no. Second is don't. Okay, no, don't. His name will be, what is your name? Johnny, don't. Last name, almost don't. So, don't, don't, don't. And we look at don'ts as what? Joy killers. You know what God, what, you know what David is saying? He says, Lord, lions are so pleasant, Lord. Don't look. Don't see there. Don't see there. You know, when I'm obeying it, my joy, I'm experiencing your joy even more. Look at what he says the next one. Look at what he says the next. You see, this is how he knew God. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart instructs me even when I am sleeping in the night. Baba. Very important. When you sleep, Amos Tekalal, what do you dream? Does your heart instruct you? And he says, I have set the Lord always before me. See? And I will never be at that. Let's end up. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. You know what is this hope he has? He has this hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell. You know one day because I enjoyed you on earth because I knew you on earth and I experienced you on earth that day I will come into your presence. You will not allow me to go through corruption. You will, the incorruptible, I mean, the corruptible will put on incorruption and one day you will make me stand in your presence where there will be joy forevermore and pleasures forevermore. That is a hope. See, that is how he knew God. This is how he knew God. It's amazing. This is what we call as a miktam of David. Miktam of David. You know, the, 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 as I told you, know, sometime back it says, it's a connoisseur, the psalm of a connoisseur, the one who enjoys God. Contemplation. But the question therefore is, how did David have this kind of a knowledge of God? What was the key? What were we looking at? The attitude of a who? Of a bond servant. Now, he wrote another psalm. No, you you can guess by this time that I'm reading through the Psalms and I'm enjoying. One of the things that you should read really is Spurgeon's Treasury of David. It's beautiful, okay? Anyways, this is what, uh, this is Psalm 40. And of course, this is a prophecy about Jesus. We know it all, but this is the Psalm of David too. 
You know, David wrote it, okay? Jesus fulfilled it, but David also wrote it, and it was reality for him also at that instant. It was reality in some measure. Look at what he says in 40 verses 6 and 8. He says, sacrifices and offerings thou did not desire. My ears thou hast what? Opened, or in other words, he says, my ears you have what? Pierced. Burnt offering and sin offering has thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will. Okay, I little delight to do thy will. And this psalm is addressed or is written to the chief musician. It's very interesting. Some psalms he says, Jesus writes, Psalm of David. Some psalms he says, to the chief musician on stringed instruments are Psalm of David. Some psalms he says to the chief musician are psalm of David. What does it mean? He says something like this. It's like this. This psalm is so important. I want the most incredibly talented musician to compose music for this. No Tom will, will do it. The most important and the most talented and the most anointed in the worship team will give the composition for the music the chief musician. You know, why is this important? Nowadays, you know what happens? First the music comes and then comes the song. You go to the, I mean, you go to worship. This is what happened in one of the worship, worship workshops that I, I attended. You know, what this, what the, what the, what the, uh, music, what worship teacher who's, who's teaching us how to worship, he gives us a card. C, D, E, C, D, E. Come on, put some lyrics to this. No, 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 no. First comes the word and then comes the lyric. I'm sorry, the composition. See, in the beginning was the word and then comes the music. In the beginning was the word and then came the image. The, the lie that we have swallowed is one picture is worth how many words? Who told you? Actually, one word is worth how many images? Thousand images. That is true. Today, what we do is we Try the music and then we write the lyric. I mean, at least even our, even our own Telugu industry also. Those days, they used to first write the lyric and then they put, used to put it to music. The standards have lowered. Even in Christendom, the standards have lowered. You don't, that is the reason we don't have depth. Because people do not know God. You see? So, what is the attitude he has? He has the attitude of a bond servant and therefore he has a revelation of Jesus Christ. You see? He has a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, what we need to cultivate is to cultivate the attitude of a bond servant so that we will have what? Ears to hear. So even when somebody is preaching a word, you will have specific revelation of the of the glory of God in your life, specific to your situation. So that is the first part. So second part, so how do we get this attitude? How do we get and cultivate the attitude of a bond servant is a question. So first of all, let us look at two passages in the Old Testament which actually talk about this bond servant. I mean, and this, but even as I was studying this and I came across one commentary by a Messianic Jew, you know, beautifully explained, and I'm going to expound, I'm just taking his help and expounding this. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Look at this. This is, this is how bond servants were, you know, uh, made. Okay. There's a making of the bond servant. This is Deuteronomy chapter 15 verses 12 onwards. If your brother, <clears throat> see that? If your brother, a Hebrew man, or a Hebrew woman, okay? No faith, no, what is that? 
it is not neither uncircumcision nor uncircumcision, neither male nor female. All are one, equal. New creation only matters, okay? If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, it's interesting, right? Brother is man or woman. Interesting. Did you see that? Brother is either both a man or a woman. Okay, I just wanted to, nothing great over there, but in other words, in, in, in eternity, all are brothers, no, no sisters, okay? So that's just, that's what I think is being meant here. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you, how many years? Six years. Six, six is the number of man. Total bondage. Okay. Six years. Then in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go empty handed. Okay. Alright. Then what happened? When, what, you, what you should do? You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give him. Verse 15. This is 14. Verse 15. You shall remember that you were what? Slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you and therefore I command you this thing today. So when they are releasing a servant, a servant, what are they actually doing? They are reliving their own lives. Okay? Their own lives. When they were slaves in Egypt, and exactly the way God redeemed them from Egypt is the picture being de- determined over, I mean, is, is being depicted over here. So, exactly the picture. In the same way, you were slaves of Pharaoh, you were slaves of sin, you were slaves of the world, you were slaves of the Prince of the power of darkness. The way I redeemed you is what you are going to mimic over here. And when you let him go, how should you let him go? You should let him go liberally. What is he talking about over here? Let me show you another place. Exodus chapter 12, verse 33 onwards. <clears throat> and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. Please get out of our place. For they said, we shall all be dead. And then what happened? Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, gold and clothing. So what happened? And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So what God is saying is exactly the way that you came out of your out of Egypt and I gave everything to you liberally. The same thing you should do with your servant when you release him. A picture of salvation. How liberal was God? He forgave every sin. Not only that, he did not just forgive you your sin, he made you a child of God. Not only that, he did not just make you a child of God, he made you an heir and a co-heir of Jesus Christ. Come on. That is a picture of salvation. Plundered. Now comes the response. How is a Born servant made. This is the picture of salvation, right? Picture of salvation from the penalty of sin. Everything that God has done for us in our lives. And now comes the response of the guy who was a slave in Egypt. A picture of it, at least. This is what it says. And when it happens, that he says to you, I will not go away away from you. Because he 
loves you and your house since he prospers you, prospers with you. Then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door and he shall be your servant forever. Also, you should likewise do to your female servant. See that? Okay, let us look at another passage to understand what is happening over here. I want us to look at very, very carefully some interesting principles that we will learn about bond servants so that we can apply it in our own lives. Exodus chapter 21. The same uh, attitude about bond servants. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, and I will not go out as a free man. First, what should my master do? Bring him to God. Bring him to the door. Pierce his ear and he shall serve him permanently. First, what shall the master do? He brings us to God. What did Jesus do? He brings us to God. How did he bring it? Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What did he do? But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That is exactly what Jesus does. You know what? When the moment you offer yourself, he says, I'm going to bring you to God. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let us look at a few more verses. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18. First, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. What does bringing to God mean? Still, we didn't answer this question. Let us look at one, one more question, one more verse, and we will understand what it means. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 onwards. For if we, Raj was praying, for if we, when we were what? Enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also... Ah! What has happened now? Those times when we were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel, we hated God. We never enjoyed God. We'll begin to what? Joy... In God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. So what we begin to do is, now we begin to really, really enjoy who God really is. We'll understand Him. We'll understand His nature. We'll say, boy, what a God. We begin to join God. That is what happens. The moment you are brought near to Jesus, but what, what God, uh, Jesus does, He brings you close to God. What we had was, we have access to the throne room of grace. The access to the Father. Like we looked at salvation from God's point of view. He wants his children to come to me. I remember you know, somebody explaining the salvation message. You know? A king walking on the beach with all his princely garments. And his son is swimming on the, in, in, the, in, the, in the sea. And suddenly his son says, Papa, save me. Papa, save me. Because I'm drowning. Will the king's gown matter to him? Will he say, how come I will lose my... No, what will he do? He will just tear it, take his garments out and jump into the lake and save him. That's exactly what Jesus did. 
He wanted to have a relationship with us and he jumped into the lake and he saved us and he brought us to God so that we begin to enjoy him. So we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing what happens is that we begin to enjoy God. In order to enjoy God, three things happen. Three things. Look at those three things and we will do and we will understand what it means to be a bond servant. First, he does three things. First, he, read that, pierces us. And where does he pierce us? At the door. What does he pierce? He pierces the ear. He pierces at the door and he pierces the ear. You understand this? Okay, this is what is happening. So question is, what does it mean to get pierced? It is not, of course, the piercing that Jesus went through. Definitely not. Uh, I don't know what will happen to my daughters if I take them to get their ears pierced. They say the best time to pierce is when they are young so that one shot, gone, gone. No? What happens when you pierce? Is it a permanent or is it temporary? Answer? Permanent. Permanent. Pierce has at least three connotations. The bond servant is actually communicating through that attitude by allowing himself to be pierced. Three things. First, Permanent mark of ownership. You own me, Lord. Second, you have surrendered all your rights. Can you imagine when the master is letting him go, he's letting him go with what? So much of money. You know what he says? I don't want the money, I want you. Surrendered all your rights. Second, third, you're going to accept joyfully what Whatever the Lord has appointed to you. That is piercing. Now I was looking it up in the New Testament. Who was the man who called himself a bond servant? And he was pierced the most. And you know, answer. Everybody says, Paul. Have you been to... uh, very, I mean, at least two, three months back, my brother was forcing me to buy some jeans. No? He took me to a brand factory. What factory? Brand factory. So we were going through all the brands. The moment you have a brand, Levi, it doesn't matter how the cloth is, expensive. So I said, I don't want to spend so much. I don't want to spend. I'm looking at something within 500 and my fitting. Everything is other fitting and uh, this this fade is gone. One tone pattern over here. I said, Baba, do they, don't they make jeans uh, my style anymore? Okay, so I, I was sifting, sifting, sifting and finally we got one with a useless brand. I said, Baba, it doesn't matter. Let me take it. That is what we call brand. No, when when the people I mean, who makes those things, Anand Mills actually stitches the and buys the patent from Levi's and they put the brand. That is all false brand. But if you are really branded, look at what Paul says. Remarkable. This is NASB. Okay. Galatians chapter 6 verse 17. This is of course preceding those verses. After those verses, uh, I am through the cross of Jesus Christ, I am dead to the world and the world is crucified to me. Okay. Everyone who lives on this principle, peace peace upon them and upon the Israel of God. And then this is what he says. Galatians chapter 6 verse 17. From now on, Let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear upon my body what? The brand marks of Jesus. 
branded. Everyday, pump, tabba, lagya, Yeshua is mine. Is mine. That is piercing. Where you have said, Lord, it doesn't matter whatever I'm going through, suffering or not, suffering or prosperity, whatever be the case, I will not complain. I will joyfully accept whatever is coming. I bear it. It's not like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm enjoying this. I mean, may not physically, but at least spiritually for sure. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34. What a beautiful verse. For he had compassion of me and my bonds and took what? Joyfully the spoiling of your goods. You see, when, when the, the, when the bond servant was being left, he could take all the goods his master was giving him. But you know what he said? I don't want these goods. I accepted joyfully the spoiling of my goods. And I want to bear your mark. Somebody was asking me this question some time back. He came to me and asked me, he said, Anna, somebody was saying, uh, uh, I want to forgive God. What does it mean forgiving God? I said, <laughs> then I understood what he's going through. He must be going through a lot of problems, poor fellow. And you know, the Lord has allowed so many problems in his life. And he's saying, Lord, you are the reason I forgive you. You see? Then I, I was trying to explain. See, the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, there was a huge difference. Huge difference. The, the, you, you need to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come again to one of the Psalms which, which, which actually talks about this, okay? Look at this. This is Psalm 44, verse 1 onwards. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds that you did in their days. What we have heard with our ears. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and you cast and you cast them out. Okay? And then what happens? For they did not gain the possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command victories to Jacob. Okay. This goes on. You have saved us from our enemies. You have put to shame those who hated us. In God we will boast all the day long. You know, remember that song? Through our God we shall do valiantly. This is the same song, okay? We get, it comes, it comes from Psalm 44, first part. Not the whole Psalm. Okay. In God we boast all day long and praise your name forever and what comes later? What is it? Can you somebody read it? Selah. What is Selah? Somebody said something. Pause. I'll tell you what that pause is. We have a musical team over here. We are all singing a song. Scale change. Okay. Suddenly from a major to we go to a minor. Mood has changed. And this is the complaint. Through our God, etc, etc. Suddenly the change goes from the major scale to a minor scale. Look at the minor scale change. But you have cast us off, Lord. Put us to shame. You do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from the enemy else. And those who hate us, take the spoil for themselves now. Now when you read this, what would you think? They enjoyed the blessing from God. Now suddenly, chastisement from God. What is happening? What do you think? I was thinking, Are Israelites, no. These fellows, 
they might have sinned against God. But unfortunately, this song is not written by Israelites, it's written by the sons of Korah. So look at what he says. You have given us up like sheep intended for food, scattered us among the nations. Do you feel like that in your office? Bosses, the most difficult job. I want to get rid of that fellow. Christian, you said through our God I got promotion. Come, 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 come here. Let me give you. Scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing. And they are not enriched by selling them. In other words, even if I sell myself, 10 rupees, 10 rupees, 10 rupees, 10 rupees. What are you selling, Baba? Myself. 10 rupees, 10 rupees. 10 rupees. I don't know. My dishonor is continually before me and the shame of my face has covered me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the enemy and the avenger. And I was thinking, you know what? This is what has happened to to happen. I mean, I was thinking, this is what happens to all the people who forsake God. Then comes the surprise, surprise. Look at the next verse. This is verse 17. All this has come upon us. Let's read the next one. But... We have not forgotten you. We have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned away from you. Nor we have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of the jackals. And covered us with a shadow of death. And then look at the next verse. If we have forgotten the name of our God. Or stretched out our hands to a foreign God. Would not God search this out. For he knows the secrets of the heart. In other words. Even in my secret and private life. I did not sin. But. For your sake. We are killed all the day long. And we are what? Counted as sheep to the slaughter. You know what? The Old Testament saint for him. It was a conundrum. How can the righteous go through persecution? Conundrum. The only way I'm going through persecution, the only reason I'm going through persecution is because I have sinned against God. That is the only reason. It was impossible for him. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 1, it says, the spirit of Christ in the prophet was prophesying when they looked beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was not talking to themselves, but it was talking to what? To us. For them, Old Testament saints, for them it was impossible possible. Why should I go through sufferings for God? It was a conundrum. He could never understand it. And then he says, Lord, I'm going, awake, oh Lord, why do you sleep? And Psalm 121 will say, I think if he is writing a hymnal, if it's being sung in a synagogue, Psalm 44 they'll sing, and the next they will sing Psalm 121 also. The God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. And they should say, Are, why are you sleeping? They should, they should ask these questions. Lord, are you sleeping or not? Why do you cast us forever? Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. Verse 24, 26. Until you come to the New Testament with a man who has got a brand. Look at this fellow, how he looks at this. This verse. This is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of God? (laughs) Shall tribulation 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake we have been killed what all the day long and we are being counted as sheep for the slaughter and he says look at his convictions yet in all these things we are more than conquerors for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature in all creation will separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus Amen that's the difference between the Old Testament saint and the New Testament said, you know what he's saying? Just because I'm going through these times of trouble, Lord, I have your brand. That is the reason I'm going through and it is for my good. All things work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. And you know what he says? The same chapter he says, you know what? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him freely give us all things? That is the difference between an Old Testament saint and a New Testament saint. He has a perception. Why am I going through suffering, Lord? It is because you have allowed it and because I have a brand and I will accept it joyfully. Because you know why? When I go through it, when I enjoy it, when I allow you to go through the suffering, I will enjoy you more. See, it's just not because everybody is going through suffering doesn't mean that everybody will come out bitter. Sorry, bitter. Some people will come bitter also. You know, it says, no, I have chosen you out from the furnace of what? Affliction. That means there are a lot of people who are going through affliction. But God only selects a few from the furnace of affliction. Just because you are going through affliction doesn't mean that you will become better. No, 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 no. The chosen of God, whom he has called, who have his brand, they will go through suffering. They will go through persecution. And when they go through persecution, you know what? They hear the voice of God like a what? Like a trumpet. You know, C.S. Lewis makes this fantastic statement. In prosperity, God whispers. In trouble, God blows the trumpet. How do you want to hear? Like a trumpet, no? The trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall descend and we will all be with our Lord. Who will hear the voice of God like a trumpet? Those who have allowed the Lord to break us. Piercing means allowing God to break us. Then we hear his voice clearly. First thing. Second thing, he pierces us at the where? At the door. What is this door? What is door? Door is a portal. To enter into the kingdom of God. That's a portal, right? Now look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 10. Let's read this very carefully. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief. And a robber. But he who enters by the door is a sheep, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep ah, hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Question. Have you ever heard God calling your you by your name? Vijay, so many times, not once or twice. Tap on my on my on my shoulder, no? I'm, tap on my shoulder. It's I four o'clock in the morning sometimes. Tap on my shoulder, sleeping too much. Feel it very 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 clearly. Tap on my shoulder. Not even, my wife is sleeping uh, at least five meters away from me. Okay, tap on my shoulder. So many times. Do you hear his voice? 
sorry verse, verse 4 when he puts forth all his own he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice a stranger they will simply not follow this is what i'm talking about having an ear for the voice of god why because you're a sheep but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers this figure of speech jesus spoke to them but they did not utterly did not understand what they what those things were which he had been saying to them and what did, what did, what does jesus do so jesus said to them i say to you i am the door so what does what does the master do he takes you to himself he takes you all pierces you through the ear onto the door saying that if you want to enter into the kingdom of god the only way you can enter into the kingdom of god is through this door where does, where does the door come for the first time in the bible the door comes for the first time in the bible when it says that they took the blood of the passover lamb and they put it on the what on the doorpost of the house and they came out of darkness into light and they started hearing the voice of god that is the door okay second thing at the door third most important why the ear first he pierces us he puts us brand second he takes us to the door third he pierces the ear why the ear leviticus chapter 14 then the lord spoke to moses saying this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing he shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him and indeed if the leprosy is healed in the leper then the priest shall command to him uh, command to take for him who is cleansed two living and clean birds cedar wood scarlet and hyssop okay you know hyssop when is the first time hyssop come when god takes the hyssop and he puts on the doorpost of the house okay and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water and for the living bird he shall take it the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water and he shall sprinkle how many times seven times that means you are cleansed and he shall be out how many days seven days on the eighth day he comes back this is what you have to do this is crazy. Uh, I hope I have that. Yeah, this is Leviticus chapter 8. And the Moses killed it and he took some of its blood, put it on the tip of Aaron's right here, thumb of the right hand and then the big toe of his foot. I didn't put that here. It says in Leviticus chapter same, same 14, verse 16, you take the blood, when you bring him back on the eighth day, where do you put on his ear, on his thumb, and on his foot. What you do to the high priest, you do the same thing. What you do to the leper, you do exactly to the high priest. What you do to the high priest, you exactly do to the leper. So that you begin to hear my voice. You anoint him and consecrate him. You just not only cleanse him, you also consecrate him so that you hear my voice. Why is this important? Why is this important? First Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> Very important. Okay. Why is this important? 
Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits or seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. So many demonic doctrines going on. And one of the most incredibly demonic doctrine is a doctrine of hypergrace. What has Jesus done? He has forgiven your past. He has forgiven your present. He has forgiven your future. The most ridiculous doctrine that I have heard in my entire life and so many people are believing in that. Now let me give you an example. One man of God puts it very beautifully. Just imagine, okay, a guy who was caught stealing a purse. Okay, is brought to the court and the judge asks him this question. Hey man, did you steal the purse? He said, yes sir, I stole the purse. Uh, is this the first purse that you stole or do you have a history of stealing purses? No sir, I, this is not the first I have. This is my 345th purse I have stolen. Oh, are you sorry? Yes sir, I'm really sorry. Okay, I've forgiven all the past purses that you have stolen, the present purse that you have stolen, and all the future purses that you steal. You are saved. Just put it to another, another, another sin. Have you committed adultery? Those days adultery also was punishable under, under, is a criminal act. Yes sir. Is this the first time that you are committing adultery? No sir, this is the 25th time I am committing adultery. Are you sorry? <laughs> yes sir, I am so sorry. Oh, I have forgiven your act of adultery. Not just the present adultery, but the past adultery and all the future adulteries that you will commit. This is the first time that you lied? No sir. I have a history of lying. Are you sorry? Oh, yes, sir. I'm so sorry. I have forgiven your present lie, all the past lies, and all the lies that you will say in the future. That is a doctrine of hypergrace. Jesus has saved you, not from your sins, but in your sin. And you can continue and come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. He will save you. He will forgive you. Seducing spirit. And a doctrine of demons. Now look at this now. Now the spirit what? Expressly. What is expressly Baba? No, all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it is profitable for doctrine. What is this expressly saying? Now Zach Poonen's put is very interesting. No? If your father writes you a letter. In the entire letter, he will write something very, lot of important things he will write and then he will put in italics bold font. Come back, you're in the hostel now. Don't go to sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning. Please go to sleep early and get up early with the blocks. I'm expressly saying this. Otherwise, you might do something wrong. Come back early. Something like that. Expressly, expressly, in block letters, the Spirit is saying, take heed, because one day, if you don't tune yourself to the Spirit of the living God, one day you will just be carried away with doctrines of demons. 
seducing doctrines. God has forgiven your past. God has forgiven your present. God will forgive your future. What a great God we serve. This is remarkable. I'll tell you something, right? That, why, why do you think all the Muslims and the Hindus and the Jews, they don't like Christianity. They will say, they will look at us and they'll say, I know you, you, your, you Christians will say, you can live like anything and one, one day you come to God and he will forgive you. What kind of a life is that? He has a, he has a valid question. Yes, you are not saved because of your works, but you have been saved from dead works. Important for us to understand that. That we have to fight sin. Mortify the deeds of the body through the spirit. You have to be like a Phineas who will take the sword and push through every false doctrine that will cause you to sin. Every false idea. Every time that you are, your mind justifies your action instead of convicting you. Lot of people get convicted but they don't get converted. Oh, your message was so convicting, Anna. But are you converted? Oh, your message was so challenging, Anna. But are you changed? You see that? Very important for us to understand this. The spirit of the living God just not only forgives us our sin, he gives us a power to overcome. Not only the power of sin, but the pleasure of sin. Everything. That is the gospel. You see that? The doctrine of demons. So That is the reason why it's called, so that you will be saved from the strange woman. The strange woman who drips like a honeycomb. But her end is like, is sure. Yeah, it is hell. See that? You need to understand this. Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Again, Second Timothy chapter 4. I charge you therefore before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and all teaching. One of the alls. For the time will come because people will not endure what? Sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, having what ears? Itching ears. If you don't have consecrated ears, what ears will you have? Itching ears. See? Itching ears. So question is, are you pierced? Are you really pierced? Pierced meaning, you might be going through the trial of your life, but just because you're going through a trial, that is not an excuse. So many people are going through worse. You know what Peter will say? Whatever your trials that you're going is common to all believers, first of all. Just understand that. You're not going through any special trial. It is common. It's common to all believers. But resist. Resist it. Fight it. Meaning why? God has given us a strength and he has given us what? Our ears. Lord, I want to go through this problem, but Lord, I'm doesn't matter what it is, I am surrendered to you. Surrendered completely to your spirit in my life. Surrendered. My ears are pierced. You are my door. Whatever you allow to happen in my life, I will allow it. Whatever you don't allow, I will not allow it in my life. But that is what the door does, right? It shuts and also opens. What is allowed? That is what we call as kosher. What is not allowed? Throw it out. Whenever you become a believer, there are so many things that you have to throw out and there are so many things that you have to fill in. You have to give up so many things and you have to fill in so many things in your own life. So many things. I mean, this is exactly what he's talking about, the door. Pierced at the door and what has happened? 
Your ears are consecrated, not only from, you're not only being cleansed from your sin, you've also been consecrated. That means you only hear the voice of God and voice of God through anybody, even if it is a donkey. That is a bond servant. That is how you cultivate it. Lord, whatever I'm going through, Lord, I do not want this attitude to go through my life. I do not, even if it is a tough message, even if it is convicting me, even if it is breaking me and it's, I'm getting angry, I will submit and I will surrender. I will take a rebuke. Even if it is with fist, like this, teeth like this, with gnashing teeth, I will still take a rebuke. Because over a period of time, after you go through the process of rebuking, you know what will happen? You will know that was good for you. It was good for you. The Lord is always good. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you, Father, for this time. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that we will cultivate this attitude, O Lord, just not one day, but every day of our lives, O Lord. Surrendering daily, O Lord. Because today we might be surrendered tomorrow, O Lord. You ask for surrender again. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us the grace to cultivate this habit of hearing from you every day of our lives. Let not there be a day which passes in our lives that we have not heard from God. When we read the scriptures, when we listen to a sermon, even when we, when we go to our workplaces, O oh Lord, enable us to redeem the time. Give ourselves opportunities so that we can continuously reflect upon what you have spoken into our lives. Father, the sermon never ends here, O oh Lord. It begins now in our practice. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will begin, that we will allow it the work of the Holy Spirit to begin in our lives. That we will not surrender, even if we are going through the trial of our lives. We will surrender. We will surrender, O Lord Jesus. Father, people might have called us all kinds of names, slandered us, but we will surrender, O Lord. We might have been Father, in the offices, we might have been being taken advantage of, O Lord. But we will surrender, O Lord. That we will never try to vindicate ourselves. Our vindication comes from you. Grant us grace to that end, O Lord. Father, enable us to walk that straight and narrow path. That door, O Lord, set Enter by that door. That door is narrow. Many will try. Few will succeed. Let us be counted among those who are able to go through that door by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. Strive to enter through the narrow door. That's what your word says, O Lord. It's narrow. But Lord, enable us to take it joyfully. Enable us to enjoy the joy of the Holy Spirit, let it never, never depart from our hearts. Enable us to guard that with all of our lives, O oh Lord, with all of our hearts. Thank you, Father. Commit each one of us into your hands, even as we go through the rest of the week, to our workplaces, wherever we are, O oh Lord, we want to hear from you continuously. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you.
praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.